episode number 347, The Variant, Loki Season 1, Episode 2. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. This is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's been going on for a long time now. So long that we have multiple variants of our logos out there that we have to track down and find. And it's been happening since, well, since uh, Phil Coulson died, basically. Although um, maybe the majority of our podcast output is now in a alternate universe as part of this multiverse, something we're going to be talking about. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with Agent Stewart from DUP. From DUP. The real question is, am I MCU? (laughs) Are you? That is, we can play the game show. Is it MCU about you? And I think the answer is no. And you. Yeah, I think the answer is no for both of us. If I were to put on my tinfoil hat, I could make a case for us being in the MCU. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I guess. <laughs> I, I got, I got a, I got a, a Kevin Bacon, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon game that that gets us there. Well, us- <laughs> I have a very interesting unified theory thing that we need to talk about that has to All do right. with Dwayne McDuffie and snow globes. And I don't know any of those words. Yes, but you will. And when I start talking about it, you will know what I'm talking about. Okay. You will. I promise. Okay. I promise. Uh, but first, let's throw out our spoiler warning for everyone. We are going to spoil this episode of Loki, and we are going to spoil the last episode of Loki. And we are spoiler policy for this podcast is to spoil anything that we've talked about on the podcast before. So that's 346 episodes of material that does not include a couple seasons of Netflix because we haven't gotten to those yet, but, (laughs) but may, may involve, uh, may, may include that someday. So just, just not yet. When materials uh, are released weekly though, we do tend to track with that. And with Loki, we are, tracking along and going episode by episode. And it's fun to go episode by episode on this because there is a lot to kind of talk about and theorize about and just try and figure out what's going on here. I do want to say, Stuart, post-credit, I am assuming you have not been reading the Heroes Reborn comic book series from Marvel? Yes, that is a correct assumption. Okay. Um, (laughs) We are going to talk a little bit about that because I have been because of the tie-in that that series has to our beginnings. Coulson oh. is a major player in that series. <gasps> Coulson. Yeah, you're not going to be so excited when you hear what he's been doing. But we'll, we'll talk about it. Pretty spoiler free. Is he in Tahiti? No, no. Oh. He's in the Oval Office. All right. Yeah. Moving right along. We'll get there after the credits, though. Yeah, let's talk about that yeah. later. Okay, so this is this episode is the variant. Although I think that a variant title for this episode could be Mobius and Loki sit at tables and talk. <laughs> and so here is the plot line for the variant. 
and I've got a, a brief, brief plot line to, to go through here. Uh, so Mobius and Loki sit at a table in a cafeteria and philosophize. Then they talk about paperwork at a table. Then they theorize about time stuff at a table. Then Mobius talks to Ramona, who is sitting behind a desk, which is kind of a table-like device. And then uh, they talk and look at papers at a table. Then they uh, talk at another cafeteria table again. Then they look at some papers at a table, but this time they look at these papers more quickly, and there's a lot of excitement there. Then they go to Walmart and fight a bad guy. So that is the variant episode recap, which slightly tongue-in-cheek and a little bit snarky, but... It sounds just like my day. I look at papers <laughs> at a desk, and then I go to Walmart and find a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I just – as I was watching this, I have watched this multiple times as I – what's been fun is even though I've been just kind of in a whirlwind of activities at camps and driving back and forth and um, getting into work and, and just all these different things that I'm doing, I have had the opportunity to get – pockets of time and watch it. And then I got to watch it with my son yesterday. And then today, as I was getting ready to record, I had it on again. And I was just struck by how many times they're just sitting at a table talking. The good thing is the conversations are fun. The acting is fun. And the stuff that they're talking about is is fun. Like there's there's good stuff happening at the tables. Otherwise, this could be really, really boring because there's action. There's action. It's, it's bookended by action. But for real, here is our, our plot synopsis. Loki is recruited to help the Time Variance Authority find the variant Loki. He doesn't do so well when they investigate a crime scene at a Renaissance fair, but Mobius gives him another chance, which is to help them figure out where the variant is hiding. He comes up with a theory that the variant is hiding in Armageddon events, which they test at Pompeii. Then they look through a library to find out where an Armageddon event could be that this variant Loki would be hiding at for whatever reason that this variant Loki has for doing the things that this variant Loki is doing. The where that they find out is in 2050 in Alabama, where people will be killed at a rocks cart store where they are waiting out a storm and where they find the variant who has been setting time reset charges. The variant is seemingly smarter than our Loki because Basically, they stalled for time, and this stall for time allowed these time reset charges that have been stolen from the Time Variance Authority to be dropped into the timeline and go off, basically bombing the sacred timeline, in essence. We also have a big reveal, though, and that is that the variant timeline Loki that they're trying to chase after is actually a woman Loki who preferred to be called Randy, but that most people online seem to be calling Lady Loki. And also, she escapes into one of those time portal things that look like the monolith from 2001. And when the Time Variance Authority people come running after Loki, he also steps into it and disappears. And credits roll with a much more dramatic theme song playing this time than last time. So that's the actual uh, plot synopsis. I, you know what, Ben, for what it's worth, I think I liked yours better. I mean, they both tell the same story. You <laughs> they know? do both tell the same story. <laughs> Fights a big bad at Walmart and loses. I was thinking we we could start there. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the big the big set piece anyway. That's where all like the plot 
sort of happens. The rest of it is interesting, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with, you know, background information. But as far as this show, that's the plot. Yeah. Also, I've been to Oshkosh. There is not a Ren... Well, I'm sure there is a Ren Fair there. There's every other fair there. Um, but I have not been to the Oshkosh Ren Fair. I have <laughs> seen the Oshkosh Bagosh Factory. Okay. And right. have there's a big air show there that happens all the time. And I've stayed at the hotel. That's right on the airstrip where literally people fly in and then walk across the airfield to stay at this hotel. They show the title saying Oshkosh. And yep. um, my son looks at me and says, that's a place? And- <laughs> Yes. I say, yeah, that's that's where they get the name. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is actually a place. And uh, they have lots of fair. It's like where um, all of the big rock concerts like Rock USA and a whole bunch of other ones happen there all the time. So their, their population in the summer like quadruples. So, but let's talk about female variant Loki. Was this a surprise to you? Was this a surprise to me? No, not really. I mean, it's not a it's not an unwelcome thing for sure, but I don't think it was a surprise. I mean, I'm liking the idea that we're getting into I'm going to say gender fluidity, and I don't think that's the right term, but that's the best thing I can do to describe it. Uh the idea that just because you are a bad guy doesn't also mean that you're a bad guy. You know you're I mean? a bad gal is what you're saying. You could also be a bad gal. Females can be evil and, 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 you know, ne'er-do-wells as well. Tricksters even as well. And, and, or they can be heroes, right? It, as we saw with the, um, with the doctor changing into, uh, I forget her name, but. The into uh, the new doctor. Yeah. The new doctor. So. Yeah. I, I don't like, know the actress's name, but the character's name is the doctor, right? You're right, right. Well, <laughs> they play around with that all the time. Uh, they they now have they've now confirmed that it's Doctor Who, like that's the character name. Whatever, doesn't matter. The point is, the thirteenth Doctor's a woman, and it's okay, right? And it works. There can be a female version of Loki, just like there can be a female version of Thor which may or may not be in the comics, right? Um, has been in the comics. Have, yes. Has been in the comics. Yeah. So, Actually, both Thor and Loki in the comics have been female. So, like, this is not a new concept. Um, I just want it to be done well. And it seems like it, it seems like it was. So, Well, we don't know yet. I mean, really. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this was probably the biggest non-surprise for me. Right. <laughs> and and part of it was because at the beginning they showed all the different variant Lokis. And I had already knew about the Loki um, uh, comic book miniseries where, where Loki was – I can't remember if Loki was turned into a woman or if Loki turned into a woman himself. I'm not sure how it all happened, but – it did happen. Uh, I have not read that comic book and that uh, that comic series, um, uh, but I've listened to a podcast or two about it. Maybe, maybe three or four years ago. So I, I never actually read it, but I, I do. I was aware of it, and and so for the reveal to be that this the greatest Loki or the worst variant Loki is is the female Loki, then you know it was kind of a oh they're going there okay. 
are they saying that it's the worst? Are they? Did they actually say that it's the worst variant Loki? I, I mean, I don't know if they are saying it's the worst variant Loki, but there's definitely an idea going on where Mobius is kind of saying, "Hey, there's one out there that's better than you," you know, and and Loki himself <laughs> is saying he's the greatest, you know, and what? so. What I find real interesting about this, and yet the last episode kind of played to this as well, is that this is still the bad Loki. This is still the Loki who um, uh, uh, destroyed New York, right? And brought in the Chitauri and all that sort of stuff. Yes, he had a little bit of coming to heart with seeing, with watching the uh, all the Blu-rays on the TV screen. Yes, he did that. But it's still not a good Loki. So, like, for him to to not be an evil trickster is kind of not with his character. But as the audience, we want him to be good. <laughs> so it works out. Yeah. So here's what I find interesting about this whole thing. And this is stuff that they haven't explained to us yet in the MCU, except a little bit kind of in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is how does the multiverse Work And my question here is not is, is a very specific one to this whole multiverse idea, which is how does the variant work? If there is a sacred timeline and if in the past the timekeepers were able to take all these timelines and make them come into, you know, basically have a crisis on infinite earths where we take all these multiple timelines and, and bring them into one. And this is the sacred timeline, which is the timeline they're all sitting on. And you know, you have these things that happen, these little tiny branches, but they all get fixed by the end of, you know, end game or whatever. How are there these variants and what are these variants? You know, I'm, I'm not saying how are there these variants in, in that that doesn't make sense that they should exist. It's literally, okay, so where are they coming from? What, what is the deal here? Are these variants Lokis that have stepped out of the timeline in the past and then have gotten captured destroyed replaced back into the timeline and had their memory wiped like where what are they or are they from alternate universes and they have stepped into like is there does the multiverse actually exist i think is maybe my question that this sacred timeline that we're in right now which would be i think the mcu prime timeline is that just kind of the base timeline and there is a multiverse but they don't touch each other you know, and, and is it that the sacred timekeepers are actually just keeping this sacred timeline safe from these other ones? I, I'm just curious, like, how the mechanics of all this work. So, so I believe that – hold on. I believe we're actually seeing how that's working. I think that the Loki show is trying to to make all that work. Um, I think we're given a couple of clues. First off, the timekeeper lizard guys, because isn't that what Loki keeps calling them? Yeah, lizard gods or lizard, lizard gods creatures or, whatever. or yeah, yeah. I think there. I think there's something going on with them. I don't think that they're actually there or they're as they're the guy standing behind the great and powerful Oz, right? They're, they're, uh, they're, they're not real. Or if they are, they're not what they're portraying to be, portraying to be. 
because the, now it's the th- you know second or third time that we've heard that from Loki, and the fact that they're not allowed to see him or meet him, that's a little bit weird. Yeah, that's the question I asked my son when I watched this with him yesterday. I said, okay, so my question is, what is it about the timekeepers that aren't what seems to be? Like, what what are they building up? Because if there's one thing we know, it's that anytime there's any kind of ultimate authority mm-hmm. given to us in, in a fictional show, especially one that's going to be a, a little bit subversive, like mm-hmm. Loki, you know there's something up. Yeah, yeah. You know. And, and so – I think we're in for a clarification on how the multiverse works, which means that most of our backlog isn't or is still canon. That's what that means. I'm holding out hope, guys. Well, and see, that's what I thought we were headed towards. I thought what we were going to have happen was we have the sacred timeline. Mm -hmm. And by the end of this series, we're going to see it unravel, you know, and and that might be what we've just witnessed in this episode. I have a theory about that. Okay. I think now is a great time to say it. Well, I'll throw th- it out there. It's a theory, not a spoiler. So it's yeah, a, go for it's it. It's a theory, not a spoiler, guys. Okay. Theory, not a spoiler. I think this, the, the TVA is stuck in the 90s. Okay. And I have to go back and watch. Which you've Captain mentioned Marvel. before. Yeah. I, well, Josta Coke. Josta Cola, and I have to give a shout out to uh, um, to longtime listener Casey. He brought that up. He's like, "That's my favorite soda ever." I'm like, "Okay." So I Wikipedia it. It was only made from '95 to '99. Okay, so then Lightning Queen talks about loving jet skis from the '90s, right? So I have a feeling they are stuck in the '90s, and because of that, when she pipe bombed all of the, you know, when she reset all of the the stuff, that's when all of these different branches started happening. And so I think we're, we are actually seeing a show that takes place in the nineties. It, it could be, I mean, honestly, this is one of those things where whenever you have a time travel mm-hmm. organization, you know, the question is, right. where are they? And usually the answer is, they're somewhere the outside of time. Right. You know, and or they're yeah, or they're from the, the distant future. Um, where you know it's Gary Seven getting sent back in time or whatever, or um or Voyagers. That was, our, that was our Star Trek reference for the episode, by the way, guys. It was, it was. And here comes my childhood reference for the day, and that is the TV show Voyagers, which that TV <gasps> show Oh my goodness, that yes. just set me for life on time travel. That show I loved so much, love so much. Tried to share it with my children. They did not love it as much as me. But um, <laughs> we've but that talked show... about Voyagers before. Oh, we have. Yeah, yeah. It, and that and show it... actually came out of, uh, I think, the success of Time Bandits in some ways. Mm-hmm. I think, if I, if I know, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong. There's also an awesome Letterman clip where when Voyagers was canceled, Letterman did a, a bit on, on the Letterman show where he's like trying to comfort a boy who's depressed because Voyagers was canceled and he tries to explain to him, this is how TV networks work, you know, stuff like that. But man, did I love that show. I watched it. It was, I was living in Canada and I don't know what was going on with the broadcast. I don't know if I was watching it at the time that it was being broadcast because I don't remember watching it at night in prime time. I think I actually was watching it in like sa- Saturday afternoon or something, but I tried to catch it every single time I could. 
and would watch a TV guide for years to see if I could find reruns on like Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning on the UHF channels or whatever. Didn't that also have one Jonathan Frakes in it? It did. It did. In fact, that might have been a point of conversation about Voyagers that you yes. and I had. <laughs> yes. And I think I've seen that episode. I think I searched that episode out on on the YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's about uh, this organization that sends these time travelers out to go and fix the timeline where things have gone astray. And there's an evil time traveler. And then so, uh, go ahead. There was a show that I remember called The Minutemen. Do you remember the show? It, I do this, not. They did a very similar thing where, you know, to, also to the show, the, the, the people in the Loki, the people in Loki are also called Minutemen. Yes. And so it's very similar, right? They're, they are officers of time, I guess. And they have to go out and, you know, fix a thing or change a thing or help with somebody or, you know, do all that sort of stuff. And it was on like... Uh, I, th- I want to say it was like ABC Family or whatever it was called before that. That might be why I missed it because I didn't have ca- cable for a long, long time. Still don't. Right. But because of streaming, you can find things on cable that – yeah. Yeah. And so um, that was very similar to this. Yeah. And there was also a movie or a show called The Time Tunnel. And then there was also that show on NBC for a long while. I can't remember what it was. But they were – these are – so usually if it's people from Earth – Humans who have created a time machine, they're going to be kind of from the future or from the present day. Uh huh. But if it's going to be like this, this other thing oh, where it's kind of like show? time gods or time guardians or time keepers, they're going to be like from a place beyond time. And just throwing out there another little, uh, self promotion thing. Uh, the eight book graphic novel series, Time Flies, uh, features, uh, you know, my workaround with that. I, I wrote the book. That's why it's self promotion. Uh, my workaround was that they would go to a place that's called the time between times. And this is a place where time did not, did not flow normally. And, and there was actually like, well, I'm not going to get all the details of it, but that's where these time traveling flies. That's kind of their base of operations. They would go into that and then they would be able to tra- travel through time through that time stream that's beyond time. And that gives you all of the outs. You know, that gives you the opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to say, this is why when this happened, it didn't change is because we have this magic thing mm-hmm. happening over here. And, and that's what's happening here. The, the TVA, what time are they in? You say they're stuck in the nineties. I would say that I agree a hundred percent with that right now, but not that they're anchored into the nineties. I don't think this is a show taking place during the nineties. I think this is a show taking place outside of time where people looked at the nineties and said, yes. That's where we're going to get a lot of our stuff from, especially colas that we love. But uh, so the reason I think they're stuck in the 90s is when did – so they found the Tesseract, right? And that and that's kicked off um, – that was back in the 40s with Captain Marv, Captain America and all that sort of stuff. And then Annette Benning was using it – the Great Intelligence was using it as – uh, propulsion in the nineties with Captain Marvel with what's her name? Uh, the actor or the Carol Danvers. Yeah. Okay. And so that's when sort of we got out into space, right? So I'm wondering if that's when we became a blip on the cosmic radar 
And by being a blip on the cosmic radar, we sort of we we started getting attention from other from other places. And so that's why the timekeepers are are caring about you know Earth or whatever is I don't know I don't have an answer for that, but I think that's sort of when stuff started happening. And I would not be surprised at all to find out the timekeeper lizard gods are are not an extraterrestrial race. They're, they're a human race. That brings up some good questions about the, the, the TVA though. One of them is this is very much dominated by earth culture. Uh huh. You know, this is a place where you have libraries, you have, I mean, everything is in English on all of their screens. Right. Everyone are human and they like human things. You know, they like that cola, whatever I can't remember what it's called. Um, they're eating, they're eating salads. They are, um, uh, they like jet skis, you know, they have keyboards that are definitely made for human hands. Although the, the timekeepers have what look like human hands, but this is very much a human created uh-huh. world. Like I, I'm wondering if, you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious how much they're going to show us of the past of the timekeepers. I think there's some really interesting stuff to see of like the beginning of, of the TVA where you have, is it just, you know, just enough humans. I I can't remember how many it is. If it's 24 and 24 male and female to be able to sustain a uh, genetic pool. That's, that's not going to uh, become inbred. Um, if you're going to create a new culture, I can't remember what it is. It's something like that. We'll just go with those numbers for now because I don't remember the science, but did they get 48 people and say, okay, you're going to start a culture here. That's going to be in this place outside of time from the outside looking in, which is very much by the way, um, CS Lewis's description of how, um, God and time interact, you know, that God and, and his reasoning, and we'll talk about free will, I think in a little bit here, his reasoning for why we still have free will you know, it's not that God has set the universe in motion with everything like clockwork, but but that God is outside looking in and and knows what's going to happen, you know, and so is able to to use that as anyway. Um, did the timekeeper say, okay, here's here's the people. You guys are going to go in. You guys are going to have a society <laughs> that is based on helping Earth, but you're not going to be part of Earth. You know, and and so yes, you can bring some colas back with you, but but seriously, don't don't jet ski there. Don't jet ski. What's interesting though is, so when she time bombed everything, right? Uh huh. She I, there's a list that I sent you guys, and the, and somebody screen captured everything. So she time bombed places like. Portugal and Rome and uh, Finland, but she also time bomb places like Vormir and Asgard and Titan. And okay. so that's what I couldn't figure out. Now, if you look at the screen where from the picture of the thing that you sent, uh-huh. you can see these are all the like the branching off, and that that is Vormir. It is was it. Thornton USA, Thornton USA, Cooksville USA, Asgard, and Rome. Right. And the other things that are listed there, I wasn't sure. Are those also I things think that showed up for that, or if those are just things that we've seen? 
in the no, show. No, I think I think those are the thing that I sent was a screenshot that was in motion. Okay. So I think All if right. the actual thing has a as a running thing and you know a running list of of places and times and somebody paused and wrote them all down and then you know frame advanced. So what I find interesting, but like the the first one listed is March thirty first, fourteen eighty two, mm-hmm. which I didn't look up all these, but I just looked up March thirty first, fourteen eighty two. That is the Spanish expulsion of. Jews from Spain. 1492? 1492, though, which is... Yeah, yeah, fourteen nine. I said 1482, right, right, but right. I, did, I did look up 1492. So was the Spanish expulsion of Jews in Lisbon? Portugal? I don't know. That was Spain. See, I had the question of, do these things... Um, uh, uh, correlate to real time, you know, real historical events. So this is the Spanish Inquisition, which I didn't expect to see that here. Um, oh, Ben, I hear you. I see you, Ben. <laughs> nobody. I thought you were gonna say, a... "Oh, Ben, I hate you." Is what I nobody thought. Nobody were... expects a Spanish Inquisition. Ben. Okay, Portugal. It says Portugal was a popular destination for this decree when they were expelled from Spain. Three and ninety. The year so, of that, of course, is the whole Christopher Columbus right. sailing the ocean blue in fourteen ninety two. But um, yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, Xander is on here. Then, um, Sakar is on here, right? Which, so, like. I we don't, don't know what, what these are yet. We will right. find out. Right. Is we'll what find out. And that's Titan. What, the, the moon of Titan is on here. Which, if you are uh, if you're keeping track, that is where a certain mad Titan came from. In the comic books, it came from actually Jupiter's moon of Titan. And Oh really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, you know his rise in the comic books was a little less um ominous than his rise in in the movies let's put it that way okay that makes sense hey so the tva the mm-hmm. the timekeeper lizard gods are those connected to comics anywhere i don't know that's a great question that i've never looked into and i don't remember hearing anything about them from the comics i think they were created for this the time variance authority was in a thor a run of thor comics that I have not read. And so it is possible that the timekeepers are from that run of comics. In fact, I should really just track down those comics and just read it because that would be good research for us to do on our podcast about Marvel cinematic universe. That would be great research to do. Yes. Ben, you should, you should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Considering time travel is involved. I mean, I'm honestly surprised you haven't done it yet. Dude, it's been a busy life lately. It, it has been. It's been. Of course, that is literally anyone in the universe can say yeah. that right now. So it's not a great excuse, but it is a good reason. Let's put it that way. So, okay. So, so oh, go ahead. Uh, okay. 
uh, I was going to say back to the, how the variants work. Um, so if you have something to do with the uh, time variance authority, then no, I'm I'm good. Okay. Because my question about how do the variants work is this: We've got Loki. We have Lady Loki that they're talking about and calling her Lady Loki, who could have started out as Tom Hiddleston. And so that's that's what we don't know. Is this a version of this Tom Hiddleston character who became her? Or was she always her? And and just she is Loki who just had a different – I don't know how frost giants work with their chromosomes or whatever. Um, or is that just the chosen visage that that Loki has chosen to use? We, We'll find out about that. But if you're looking at the different Lokis that they are showing at the beginning, you have soccer player Loki. You have Loki that looks like he could have been some sort of – forgive me, people who are fans of this franchise that I'm about to mention. Uh, looks like he could be an orc from World of Warcraft kind of thing. Have I'm not saying he looks exactly like orcs. Huh? Have you ever played World of Warcraft? No. No. <laughs> but I, I watched the movie. Wow. I I did watch the movie. What I'm saying is big buff and 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 looks like a, a one of the big buff maybe characters a Hulk? from World of Warcraft. Maybe kind of hulky. Yeah, yeah, big there's definitely hulkiness to him. But there is a guy that they show Did I mention soccer player? I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh but there's a guy that they show who dude, it looked like Trevor. Now, I didn't see it when I was watching it on my iPad, but when I watched it on my big screen TV in my house, I was looking at that guy who's standing there. I'm like, that looks like Trevor. That looks like everybody's favorite guy who isn't a big bad villain. Is there a variant universe? (laughs) I am not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. We are pulling that episode up right now on on the on the Disney Plus. Right. Oh my, are you, I, I, I'm not kidding. You know man. what, Ben? I want this to be true. I okay, really okay. do. Well, I, I, and I don't want... know if we should pause recording here or what, because I know that looking for anything online doesn't make for good podcasting, let alone fast forwarding through a, <laughs> a visual thing so. that nobody can see what we're doing. <laughs> but there is a guy standing there. He's got schlumpy shoulders. He's kind of wearing a robe. He's got horns on his head, but I'm looking at this and I think that looks a little Trevor-ish, right? So is there a universe, a multiverse, where Trevor did not pretend to be uh, the Mandarin, but Trevor instead was pretending to be Loki? Now, of course, there's a multiverse of that. Okay. Because so, but that's the the question is how do the variants work? You know, so and I know with this one, with this variant, right, with this Lady Loki variant, they are. Saying that she is hiding in world-ending disasters, right? Yes, which is a great, great twist and a great way of taking what they have shown us. They showed us in episode one, this is how things work. Here's a twist on how things work that the villain is using. I love it. I love it so much. So so if she is hiding in these world-ending disasters, do we don't know how long she's been on the run. You know, a, a Lightning McQueen kind of makes it sound like it's been um, it, not – it's a, it's a, it's an important thing, but it's not like super important that they're uh, putting a whole bunch of resources to it. Does that make sense? It's almost like a cold case. 
Almost. And, and they don't realize how bad it is until they get there. And then I don't think we realize how bad it is until they get there. And you see all those time reset charges. There's right. so many of them. That mm-hmm. means that each one of those comes from a place where she went and attacked and, you know, kind of cat and mouse kind of played with her prey a little bit mm-hmm. and then stole the reset charge. And then that Renaissance Festival fair thing, that's where her last one was. She takes, instead of killing everyone, she takes one with her, changes it up. Why? Because she's going to put that one at Roxcart, Roxcart and, and kind of leave it there. C20, I think was the name of her, uh, victim. Leave her there. And that's, that's a distraction. And then the other distraction was actually confronting Loki herself by taking control of people's bodies Mm -hmm. while her real body was going around and finishing the plan. Mm -hmm. But my question I keep coming back to is, and I think I would have, okay. My expectation was a future Loki is what they're tracking down. And they're looking at this, this future Loki who, because everything is about who he could be and could have been. And we're going to get a new character arc out of this Loki that we're following. Will he turn into a, a hero instead of a villain? Who knows? I don't know. You don't know. But it looks like there's definitely some character work going on, which I really appreciate. This is just me throwing this out there. I think they're going to keep Loki ambiguous. He can be a villain if they need him to be. He can be a good guy if they need him to be. But they're going to make him likable and put him up against places in the MCU that need to be molded or stretched out or filled in or however you want to describe it, right? Um, And so I think that's what's happening. He may still be a bad guy, but he's going to uncover the timekeepers and what nefarious plan they have. As Loki says, no one bad is ever truly bad. No one good is ever truly good. And I think that there is definitely some legitimacy to that. You know, there, there you know, there's always something good in people and you have to trust that what happens is they push it away and they make choices along the way that causes them to push away those things that could lead them to good. And in the same way, someone who's bad could try and travel that road to redemption where they're pushing away those things that make them bad and choose not to do those things that would cause us to say that is a bad, bad person, you know, and, and that's what, you know, that's what Christianity is based on is that road to redemption. That's what a lot of, um, you know, self-help books are based on is that road to redemption. And that's what a lot of our storytelling is based on is that road to redemption. And I don't know if we're looking at that here for Loki or not, but just that idea, you know, no one bad is ever truly bad. No one good is ever truly good. Uh, but I think we're looking at a character arc here for this Loki. And I thought we were looking at him seeing the potential him. And going up against the potential him. This is what the MCU Disney Plus shows are all about, by the way. All three of them have been about you are your own villain. You know? And so you have Scarlet Witch, who is literally she's the bad guy that she has to stop. 
you have vision, def- fighting vision. This is what the Disney plus MCU shows are all about is heroes fighting themselves or fighting a version of themselves. You have Scarlet Witch who her villain is her. You have Vision who his big uh, villain he fights at the end of his his arc in that show is the White Vision. You have Sam Wilson choosing not to be Captain America when everyone knows he is Captain America having to go out and and fight against who? Captain America. And here you have Loki fighting against Loki. Like all of the the leads in these shows are fighting versions of themselves. And this is where the MCU started, right? Every single MCU movie, the first MCU movie was them fighting an evil version of themselves. Tony Stark and Obadiah Stane. That's the pair up. That's the match. That's the that's the fight. Um Hulk and Abomination, Captain America and Red Skull. They were both created from the super soldier serum and Thor and Loki. And so, and part of that, I don't know if that's to create more well-rounded battles, you know, or, or, or create thematic, uh, thematic conflict, but I'm loving it here with Loki. Think about it. Think about going up against yourself who made other choices. You know, now for me, we probably wouldn't fight too much because I'm not a physical fighter. But if one of me was a physical fighter, then I'm, I'm going to die because because I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, think about that. That's a cool conflict to have. Think about that. Thor went up against Loki, who was the opposite of Thor, right? And now Loki is going up against the opposite of Loki. Who is Thor? other Loki. <laughs> The friend of my friend is my enemy? No. Wait. Well, they're not going up. I mean, in the movies, they went up against the opposites, and especially in their first movies, they went up against their opposites, and and they went out of their way. I mean, Ant Man and Yellow Jacket. I mean, they're they're going out of their way to create opposites for them to go up oh, against. Yeah, totally. I um, mean, but the Iron MCU Monger. TV shows, yeah, yeah, but the MCU TV shows is going up against yourself or the idea of yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, Sam Wilson going up against the idea of Captain America. When he starts the show, technically he's supposed to be Captain America, but he doesn't want to. And so he has to go up against the idea of Captain America. Loki has to go up against all the different variants of, of Loki, the trickster God. And again, Scarlet Witch against herself, you know, she passed her versus future her where she creates problems for herself in the past when it was past Scarlet Witch. And now we're in, you know, we move into the future with Scarlet Witch and she has to deal with all those problems that she herself created. It's going to be interesting to see what Black Widow has. And and that, you know, because you're right, we're going up against this is the this is the bed I now sleep in, right? So what what does Black Widow have in her ledger that she's got to get rid of? Atone for I really hope that that's part of what they deal with in that movie because everything I've seen about the the movie black widow, none of it is addressing things that I was hoping they'd address, you know, <laughs> like her and Hawkeye. Um, I haven't heard anything about Hawkeye being in that movie. Well, I would really have liked it. Granted, it doesn't matter what I want. If what I get is going to be good, I'm okay with it. You know, and same with here with, with this version of Loki, 
if she is from another universe and it's not this, uh, you know, an actual variant version of this Loki, a branch from this Loki's timeline. I'm okay with that. I just thought that's where they were going. I thought it seemed cool. Uh, Everything else is also seeming pretty cool. So, okay. So that's a lot of the talk about the timekeepers, the time variance authority. Um, what else can we talk about? I mean, a lot of this is just them philosophizing free will. Do we have free will or do the timekeepers create it? But if there's the ability to have variants and create multiple universes, then I think that there is free will. Unless you look at it with this whole string theory, I think is what it is. I might be wrong. Listeners, if I'm wrong, you can correct me. That's okay. But um, the idea that every choice, every possible future branches off into another universe. And if that's happening, then there, then there actually really probably is no free will because (laughs) not because you can't make choices, but because you are literally making every single choice possible. (laughs) Well, yeah, no free will in that because, (laughs) because everything that's possible is going to happen. You have no choice in it. Well, what's okay. So uh, yes, everything that's possible. What's interesting though, is that the TVA is pruning the timelines, right? So if the TVA says, I don't like soccer player Loki, I'm going to prune it. Or I don't like Martin Martian. What was this guy's name? Trevor. I found the, I found the, 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 the shot of that. Uh, and it, it looks like it could be a Trevor Loki. It looks like it could be a, Pastafarian Loki. <laughs> like he. It looks like it could be any kind of Loki, but there is definitely yes, a Trevorish. I'll give you that. Uh, but if, if he can get. Why does the time. Why do the timekeepers. What gives them the right to prune the timeline? They're the most powerful power in the universe. And that's what needs to be subverted. Right, in this show, right. you know, is you've got you've got a situation where there is an ultimate power and they are choosing to use their ultimate power to arbitrarily choose what's going to be right. in the sacred timeline. You know, and so that's and that's something that in storytelling, once that shows up, you're going uh-huh. to bristle against it and your characters are going to bristle against it or you're going to you know, maybe turn it off because you don't well, bristle I- against it. You know, but when an ultimate authority pops up. You have a plucky group yeah, of rebels I mean, who fight against it, it. Yes. Thanos, Darth Vader, it, the timekeepers. I mean, it makes sense. I get it. Thanos was kind of the same way. It's like, I'm going to make the decision for the entire universe. This is where the ultimate twist would happen. So what if the ultimate twist is that the timekeepers actually are benevolent and actually are doing their best to help people? And it's not that they're abusing their power to create the timeline that they want because they're uh, omnipotent, omniscient what? Okay, jerks so put on your storytelling hat, Ben. What would that look like? You're writing mm-hmm. this story. What does that? What does a yeah. benevolent? 
space lizards who can prune the timeline. What does that look like? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it looks like this. It really, here's what it looks like. It looks like what Mobius believes is happening. Mobius looks at this and says, this is my life. This is the life I've been living. And I can't go ride on my jet ski because I can't get a jet ski because that's not the life that I was, was given. I've given this life and I believe in it and I'm going to do what I can to make this go well. I think it looks like what Mobius believes that he's in. Unfortunately, when you have someone who, and, and this is me, you know, second guessing, um, just whatever they're showing us. They showed us that scene and they've shown us um, Ramona, Ravona, Ramona, mm-hmm. um, his boss, you know, and, and show us, and, and you, like you said, we, we don't mm-hmm. get to see behind the curtain and they don't get to see behind the curtain. That means there's something going on behind right. the We've curtain. We've all seen Wizard of Oz. We all know and, that. Right. And that's right. the thing, right? But, so the big twist would be, okay, you have where they finally get to see behind the curtain. It really is three kindly old, you know, lizard people who are like, yeah, we just want everything to be good. We want everyone to be happy or the happiest possible. And then, the, but then what you do, because you have to bring conflict and tension in somehow, they get destroyed. You know, as soon as you find out that they're actually good and they're actually trying to help, they get destroyed and everything gets messed up. And now we have to work together to put it back together you know, but we don't have the power of the timekeepers behind it. So if that's going to happen, I don't know. that happens in the next episode, didn't you think? I thought we were looking at like the final episode. Is oh, when that so then, kind of stuff so would then, like putting um, the time timekeepers back together, the TVA back together is a season two type of thing. Right. I mean, there's this is moving faster than I thought it was. I, I did think we would see the unraveling of the sacred timeline, but. Not I think two. I I seriously think this show is setting up some questions, some answers to some very meta questions that fans have, and of course Kevin Feige and 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 his team are definitely trying to to fill some of those holes in, right? But I think the yeah. reason for this show. Is yes, there's a great Loki story here, but there's also a lot of questions that fans are having. And I think he's going about answering them in a way that's not a press release. Maybe. I mean, what's what is possibly being set up? Possibly is possibly definitely setting up a world where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. exist in continuity and never didn't exist in continuity because – they branched off in the timeline because the sacred timeline was unraveled and that allowed them to branch off and they were able to fix something over there in that timeline. Um, when they went to 2091 or whatever it was, uh, which by the way, this is another place where we get to see the future. Um, and the future is commercial. Um, Axe body spray exists in 2050. Interesting. Arm and hammer exists in 2050. Interesting. Mountain Dew exists in in 2050 with with the yeah. 2021 logo um, <laughs> on it. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of product placement in this episode of things that still exist in 2050. Dell and Alienware and Arm and Hammer. Like, those are the ones where you just kind of, wait a minute, what? Arm and Hammer is going to be around. Mountain um, Dew is going to be around. It's actually a throwback label. I'm. Yeah, yeah, seriously. But I'm looking at it and thinking the prominent placement right. <laughs> of the product placement of Arm and Hammer. That is weird. Although. You also throw in just the reference to Thor. Oh, with the hammer. You know, arm and hammer, definitely. Alienware, who their logo looks like uh, Venom or Spider-Man. <laughs> or Doorman from uh, Great Lakes Avengers, Doorman. by the way. Um, it may resemble it. <laughs> okay, I know it's not, but that alien face that Alienware uses resembles the, the Spider-Man eye shape, for sure. Dell computers. Yeah. (laughs) Dove soap is in there. Um, There's, and finally, finally, and I have it playing on mute right now. And I actually just saw hostess hostess finally in the MCU where it should have been in that one shot with Coulson, but it was a little Debbie instead. But if you are a classic comic book reader, then you know the significance that hostess has for comic books. See, listeners, this is why Ben loves this show. Uh, one of many, many and, reasons and, why I'm loving and this listeners, show. This is, I, I might have missed the whole Nexus Swamp Man, you know, man thing thing. But I knew that Ben was going to love this show because there's so many tie-ins, so many little things. <laughs> so – let me ask you this. What do you think is more a deep dive? WandaVision or Loki? I, I don't. They're, they're different kinds of deep dives. I mean, WandaVision mm-hmm. did the whole TV time periods thing. Loki is doing, you know, a, a time travel thing. And we haven't really seen. Mm-hmm. We've only seen two episodes of it. Um, because there's a lot of potential for some very deep diving to happen. Here. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with in the looking next at things episode. in the past. I think the next episode is going to be super important. Okay, so I wanted to mention the snow globe. We need to go there, and I'm afraid it's going to take too long to explain. So here's what happens with the snow globe. Years ago, there was a show called Saint Elsewhere. Oh yeah, Saint Elsewhere's. St. Elsewhere's finale was that it is quite possible that a young man with autism, um, I can't remember who, who he was played by, but he's played by the guy from um, that other show with Wilford Brimley. It doesn't matter. What matters is the show ended and it was quite possible. They were definitely implying, if not even overtly saying that the entire series of St. Elsewhere took place in his imagination because he was looking at a snow globe and everything in the snow globe was St. Elsewhere, the hospital, or I don't know if it was the name of the hospital, but it's there in the, in the snow globe and he's looking at it and it's quite possible. You know, they they actually talk about it. Um, two characters from the show who are in completely different jobs and completely different life stations are talking about him, wondering what goes on in his head. So as a finale, it's clever. It's, it's weird. It's controversial. 
The thing is, characters from St. Elsewhere showed up in other shows like Homicide, Life on the Street, and Law and Order. And that then created these tie-ins. And so those other shows are part of this um, grand unified uh, – what do you call it? Dwayne McDuffie kind of brought it up when he was talking about canon and how canon works and his idea that canon, what it really needs to be is when you're watching a TV show, the canon of that show is what is important. And so when you bring – he brought Static Shock back into the um, the Bruce Tim uh, Justice League universe, which includes you know Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. And so with Static Shock showing – or Static showing up in the Justice League universe, people are like, well, wait a minute. What does that mean? Does that mean that now – all of his stories are also a part of this timeline. And Dwayne McDuffie's saying, no, it means that in this timeline with the Justice League, this character that you know and love exists in that timeline. But his other show is his show. And you don't need to watch both of them to enjoy the two different shows. And then he brings up this idea with the St. Elsewhere um, finale and so his question is, so does this mean that Law and Order and Homicide Life on the Street and St. Elsewhere are all part of this kid's imagination? But then people took it and ran with it. You know how we can be. We're running with crazy what ideas. What are you talking and about, Benjamin? There's, so there are tie-ins to all these different things that tie in from this show to this show to this show to this show to the point where Knight Rider is a part of this. And then when – if Knight Rider is a part of this, well, there is a technical component in Knight Rider's um, programming that was also used in Star <sighs> Trek Next Generation. What? And so Star Trek no. is part of this. Yeah, yeah. And, and And so this is where the MCU could be a part of this grand unified universe because – Oh, I don't remember character names, but the, the never nude guy from, um, arrested development yeah. who painted himself blue. So I think it was Munch from, mm-hmm. uh, law and order or homicide goes over into and appears in arrested development as that character. Also, we got those characters in X files. So X files and star Trek are in the same universe, right? And so then you have, in the um, not the Grandmaster, not Jeff Goldblum, his brother. Oh, uh, Benicio del Toro. Collect- yeah, yeah. Well, in in his trophy room, there is a man with a mustache yep. wearing shorts yep. painted blue. I remember that. So one of his trophies is this Arrested Development character, which pulls the MCU into this snow globe finale for St. Elsewhere. And so why do I bring all that up? Well, because in um, uh, the uh, Ramona's, is it Ramona, man? I, I hope I'm not getting that name wrong. Anyway, in Mobius's boss's office, he mentions a snow globe and he says, why do you have that snow globe? I didn't bring you that. And she's like, I got other agents. And he's like, I'm your favorite though, right? You know, there's a little back and forth banter and everything. Um, you know, not not quite moonlighting banter, but but banter nonetheless. And he, he's mentioning the snow globe. And I'm thinking that's an intentional reference to this television multiverse that comes out of St. Elsewhere and all the crossovers and stuff like that. So, so, so 
the yeah, <laughs> which we've talked about this before. So, so uh, you're but anyway, of, yeah, the the character's name from Saint Elsewhere was Tommy Westfall, W E S T P H A L L, and I just sent you a link that says to the Tommy Westfall theory of everything. Oh, I'm sorry, the Tommy Westfall universe, where there is a huge, very large graphic <laughs> that it's doing all of this for you, and it's amazing uh-huh. it's amazing yeah and i i have not done a deep dive into this and so as much this detail as, much as i've just given some of some people are saying yeah man right. you really don't know anything about this there's so much you're missing out and some people are like wait what that wasn't the deep dive <laughs> no that was not the deep dive that is the glossed over i find this interesting enough that i've right. read a couple articles about this and well, it looks like yeah. it hasn't been updated since 2016. Yeah. So, uh, and honestly, the the other cool thing about this is the first time I heard about this was a comic <laughs> shop no. conversation. It was in the comic shop with the comic shop owner and a couple other geeks standing around, and it was, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And th- and then they started like showing me things, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Um, but this also then goes into the whole idea of headcanon, right? This is a cool headcanon that you can play with at the same time. This is also a place where you can say to yourself, yeah, no, my, my headcanon is just here. And if your headcanon says, I want agents of shield to still matter. Guess what? Yeah, it matters. And if your headcanon says, I don't like discovery from star Trek, guess what? You don't have to, you know, it, it, just don't watch it. It's fine. And it's just, you get to choose what you want to like and you get to choose what you want to read and watch. And I have certain things where I choose a very, very streamlined version of what's there. But I also have things where I'm like, I'm getting everything (laughs) and I'm just going with it all. Yeah. So, So, um, yeah. One of the best episodes of Buffy did the same thing and it left it. I think I haven't seen it in a long time, but I think I remember the episode leaving it very ambiguous. She was in the hospital. She's having hallucinations and the episode just kind of faded back. And we don't, we don't really know if it was, you know, in the, in the same type of, and, and Joss Whedon it, it went on record and been like, yeah, I, I'm trying to do this ain't elsewhere thing. <laughs> <laughs> So well, okay. yeah, I love the I love the grand unified theory of everything for the uh the Tommy Westfall kid, but I'm not gonna put any stock into it. No, because and part of it is because right. it wasn't intended. Right. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is yes. all intentional. It's all intentional. And if they if they choose to prune Agents of Shield from the MCU, that's fine. They've pruned it. But what, what does that mean? Does that mean it never happened? No, it doesn't. It means we watched all of it and enjoyed it. And then when, as they move forward with the storytelling, they said, well, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, reference it. And, and we're going to act as if it never happened. But again, does that mean it never happened? No, it doesn't. We watched it and enjoyed it and had fun watching to see what does 2091 look like? What is the future of the MCU look like in this future that they're going to erase because they fixed it? And maybe that's why the Time Variance Authority doesn't care about Coulson, because he actually helped them fix something here's, with the Sacred Timeline. There you go. Ooh, there's some See, headcanon. Here's what, 
the most <laughs> interesting up? thing from what you just said was that it's intentional. Feige has so many pieces ahead of what he's told us and what he even is working on that I believe, I absolutely believe that he is in control of this ship and knows exactly where it's going and we're just along for the ride. And so when we get into, oh, whether Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon or not, he knows he's got an idea. We're fine. He also realizes he's not dumb. He realizes that... There are a lot of people who love that show. Maybe not as many as he would have liked, but they're still there. Same with the Netflix stuff. There's a lot of people who love the Netflix stuff. One of the highest rated shows on Netflix is still uh, Daredevil. You know, a lot of people like Daredevil. One of the best cameos that you could possibly put into Loki. The best is, is Thor, probably. Um a second best would be him impersonating Steve Rogers again. So there's, there's lots of great cameos you can get, but one of the best would be, and I would say second only to Thor would be cool to have an opportunity for a just brief moment of, if not confrontation, confusion (laughs) that there's Coulson. And and, and not just reused footage, right? Having Clark Gregg be on set Interacting with Tom Hiddleston would be amazing. Now, is it going to no. happen? I'm going to guess probably not. No. I mean, 99% no. But it's still – that would be interesting to see. Um, okay. I don't know what, what other notes you have, Stuart, because I haven't seen your notes. I have a couple small notes here for us to talk about. We don't have any feedback yet from our, our previous episode. But let's let's jump in and and finish up our notes. I don't have so any do you more notes, Ben, because I didn't write any notes. Okay, all right. So let's talk about Pompeii. I was introduced to Pompeii through National Geographic, through people who gave us like fifty copies of different National Geographic magazines, and one of them, the one that stuck out with me the most, absolutely is the Pompeii one. In fact, that's the only one that I can remember specifically, except I think that we had one with a fold-out map of the solar system or something like that that I found really interesting. But Pompeii has stuck with me ever since sixth grade, I think it was, when I saw that magazine and saw the pictures of those people who were caught in the lava. This this is a, you know, they're they're calling it um, an Armageddon, uh, Armageddon. They're calling it an Armageddon point in history or whatever you could also possibly say it's a fixed point in time right i mean right Pompeii, fixed point in time i'm pretty sure it was calls it a fixed point in time yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm Mm -hmm. referencing is is that and it's just a fascinating thing if you i don't even know how this happened i was buying groceries at walmart and somehow i ended up in a conversation about pompeii with the person who was checking my groceries and it was really interesting it's something that is fascinating and it sticks with you. And that, that was a, the point of the conversation. Whatever the conversation started with, the point was that that had stuck with me. And and it's just these – they literally were caught in this moment in time and and basically, you know, um, you know, frozen in time, although lava, so it's the opposite of frozen. But um, Just let that go, Ben. Yeah. So there they are. And – my son asks a really interesting question. He says, yes, okay, so it's okay that they can do whatever they want and it won't change time. 
but it can't it can't be something that ch- that causes the people who were um you know caught in the lava and were who were huddled together they have to have still like those people can't have been touched by what they were doing to change time so when he let those goats go when he let those goats go they got lucky because the things that went through time into the future and were found weren't changed because there would have been a variant energy there to that. Mm, that's true. I did find it interesting. He let loose goats as well. Like that was a nice little touch. So in case you're wondering the fires of Pompeii season four, episode two of the doctor who new series um, starring David Tennant is the one we're referencing. Just in code. Yes. But it also featured Peter. Capaldi. I can't remember the actor's name. Who also was who a doctor. also went on to uh, be the twelfth doctor. And what's really interesting is they actually brought that up. Not Did they? like they didn't. He didn't like go back in time and see himself or whatever. But he remembered. And I'm kind of spoiling this, so forgive me. He remembered seeing that character in. Oh. <laughs> You remember seeing someone yeah, look like him? Yeah, and so, so he kind of took that face because it, it, in The Fires of Pompeii. Oh, I do remember hearing about that. In The Fires of that. Pompeii, the Peter Capaldi character plays this kind of important character to the rest of the story. And so he, the doctor remembered that character, that person, and and took on that, you know, took on that persona, took on that face. Yeah, That's funny. That's how they got around the headcanon. You want to talk about headcanon? Doctor Who is all about headcanon. But that's not headcanon then. No, I that's know, but canon like, canon. Doctor Who is all about headcanon. And, and, and again, it kind of oh. goes back to that same thing, right? It works in this story. Do not try to apply Star Trek canon to Doctor Who. You will make yourself go nuts. <laughs> well, and... and- it also works with the rules mm-hmm. that they set up. And that's what I appreciate about the whole doomsday thing is that they set up the rules in episode mm-hmm. one and then everything that Randy was, Randy Loki was doing fit along with those rules. And it was a really clever application of the rules that they created for this universe. That's good yes. storytelling to me. When you create rules for a universe and then you create a clever application that is a surprise, not just to you as the viewer, but also to the characters in there and, and that it works and it works well. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, and it's going to be interesting to see where it moves to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they went so mm-hmm. soon with that, so I'm, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. I mean, this is – we're still – I think this is our act one break right here. This is where we set up our world and then in that act one break between act one and act two, we have uh, the thing that causes everything to go crazy and set into motion the real plot of Isn't our show. Isn't that called the inciting or of incident? Our story. I, I think uh, I've heard that be. a couple of times. I'm not the writer. You are. So – um. I also want to talk about the Renfair fake out. I really enjoyed the fake out there because, you know, Loki comes in there. Although I said we have no um, no listener feedback. We do have feedback from Samantha who can't be here because she's doing some traveling and visiting with family. She says, I saw the female Loki reveal coming since the beginning of the episode. Despite the cloak, she moved so gracefully that she had to be female. And okay. 
I didn't see that. And, and here's where I would tease her about, oh, so males can't be graceful. Um, but she's not here to defend herself. So I'm not going to tease her with that. And it would be just a tease. It is not, <laughs> I'm not calling her out on anything, but, but the fake out was different for me because I think the announcer that was saying, and who is going to save the princess, you know, that kind of thing. I think that was Hiddleston's voice. It sounded very Hiddleston to me anyway. And obviously the Ren Fair, it's just the, kind of the recording that's supposed to be playing there, but you get the impression that I guess Lady Loki is, um, is using that as a trickster, you know, and, and using what's there to, you know, cause people to, to be, um, you know, set off balance and, and cause them to be able to get attacked. And, and then the song I Need a Hero starts playing, which I love that song. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with loving that song. It's a fantastic rock song for sure. But, um, to me, that was the fake out is that I felt like that was Hiddleston's voice suggesting to me that was Hiddleston or a version of a Hiddleston Loki who is there. And so, yeah, when, when the reveal was at the end, mild surprise to see that it wasn't Hiddleston that he was following. So there's, I think I have one other note. Apparently the Oshkosh Renfair, Bristol Renfair is actually a real thing. There's actually a Ren Fair okay. in Oshkosh, but it was, uh, do you know who Mark Grunwald is? I do. I do know apparently who Mark Grunwald he, is. He's a writer of Marvel comics. He is from Oshkosh and or the greater Wisconsin area. And so that was uh, uh, an homage to him as well. Nice. Very cool. We didn't talk too much about the library, but I love the library. And that's again very much a Gilliam feeling place. Oh, this where the librarian the librarian wouldn't talk until she yeah. rang the bell. And then okay, now I'll acknowledge the set design in this entire thing is just amazing. I mean, it's got that Bra- oh, it's it. got that Brazil look. It's got that sixties. What did we call it? And classic uh, yeah. retro future, or I think neo futurism for them. Yeah. But but maybe not. I don't know because they're they're using it's sixties technology, right? You know that that's being applied as a futuristic technology. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. The last note that I had was Loki calls out Mobius on when he's talking about the power set, and he's he talks about duplication casting, which is a different thing than oh I can't remember the other phrase that they were using. Lady Loki, Randy Loki, has a very different power set that's along the lines of that duplication casting. Touching someone, she's able to take control of them, but then she also has her physical body going off and doing things. And it was a little confusing at first because you're not sure what's going on there. It's not just that she's entering into someone and taking control. It's actually she's taking control and then also doing other things with her body. In the fight scene at the Ren Fair, both the TVA agents and Lady Loki are, are fighting against the other agents. And, and the same thing is happening in, the, in Rock's cart. That was a neat, neat detail. Two other neat details. One, the Renaissance Festival. Nice fake out. You think you're back in the Renaissance days, but no, you're in Oshkosh. <laughs> and then... Um, the other neat detail is rocks cart. Just 
Yeah, because the that, future the future of Roxxon. Yeah, they are not going anywhere. That's a tie into some of our favorite shows off of Freeform. I mean, Cloak and Dagger dealt with Roxxon very distinctly, and so that Netflix did too. And yeah, and there's some movie stuff too. Yeah, yeah and so I, you know, Agents of Shield. Yeah, yeah. they all. So that's the unifying theory of everything. There it is. It's the Roxxon theory. It's all connected. It's all connected. Hashtag. Can't wait to see what episode three is. Cannot wait. All right. Well, a few more days. I think we should close down this episode. You have any final words there, Stuart? I should. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening guys. And it's awesome. And, um, you know, head on over to the Patreon page and, and and put down a couple of bucks. We appreciate it, and we do appreciate your support. And keep sending in those voicemails. Definitely. Definitely. And until next time, I just want to say thanks for listening. Godspeed. And hey, Stuart. Stuart, is that my jet ski magazine? Put it down. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail by calling one 5 level 7 That's one 553 Or send us an email to feedback at welcome to level 7com Just don't forget, the 7 is spelled out. You can also go to welcome to level 7com slash feedback and leave us a message there. Or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening and Godspeed. Stuart, let's talk about comic books and let's talk about Heroes Reborn. And I'm not going to talk too much and go into too much depth, but it is of interest to people who are fans of the MCU. And part of that is because there's a there's a Scarlet Witch plays a big part in it. Coulson plays a big part in it. Um, and I've just been reading. I haven't read the entire series yet. There's still an issue to come next week, I believe. But the big news for Welcome to Level 7 is Coulson. We are Coulson. So, you know what happened to Coulson in the comics? Here's what happened to Coulson in the comics. He was going along doing good things and being a good guy. And he was such a good guy that when Steve Rogers was part of Hydra, Steve Rogers from Hydra hired Deadpool to kill Coulson. And so Coulson was a dead guy. In the Marvel's comics universe. 
And then, uh, you know, Steve Rogers stopped being Hydra. Turns out it was a rewritten universe using uh, the Tesseract. And Red Skull rewrote Steve Rogers' history in the universe. And everything gets patched back together, you know. And there was, it was controversial for a while, but everything was back to normal. And then, all of a sudden, Coulson's back. And not only that, he's kind of bad. And then we have what's called Heroes Reborn, which is a big deal right now. It's a weekly series that has basically rewritten the Marvel Universe, Marvel Comics Universe. It's a miniseries, so it'll go back to normal. Don't worry. Coulson is president of the United States in that Marvel Universe. That's interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. Now, you don't see him very often. He's in a few scenes here and there. Um, but they're significant scenes. And we also, I don't want to spoil too much because there's some real twists and turns along the way when you find out who Coulson is actually working for and working with. And the most interesting thing about it is that the Squadron Supreme, which is the Marvel Universe's version of the Justice League of America, they're, they were made in the 70s. It might have even been Mark Gruenwald who created them. I want to say if he didn't create them, he wrote the miniseries or the maxi series, the 12 issue series about them. That was really, really good. But you have Hyperion, who's a version of Superman. You have um, Nighthawk, who's a version of Batman. You have Blur, who's a version of the Flash. You have Dr. Spectrum, who's a version of Green Lantern. You have all these characters who are all variations of DC characters and the Avengers fought them. And now they are the primary heroes in the Marvel universe because timey wimey stuff world got rewritten and Captain America stayed frozen in the ice and the Avengers didn't actually become the Avengers and, and Coulson is working with the squadron Supreme. But as we were saying about the time variance authority, whenever you have any kind of absolute authority of people who are doing things and they're saying that they're doing things for the good of everyone, but they're really forcing people into stuff. It's not really for the good of everyone, you know? And yeah. so there's some nefarious things going on. Sam Wilson told us that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. If you are a fan of Colson in general, you probably will like it. My problem with it is I'm a fan of specifically good guy Colson. And so I'm really hoping that something happens to redeem this character in the Marvel universe because he has gotten a real, he was created for the movies mm -hmm. and then brought into the Marvel universe. And when agents of shield became a TV show around the time when Bobby shows up, they had a comic book series agents of shield. And then they had another series where the shield agents. So they had two series total. And they're doing stuff in the Marvel Universe. And then you have this. Coulson gets killed by Deadpool. He's back. He's evil. And he's working with bad people. And I don't want to spoil too much. but They're not going to make Coulson... They're not going to make Coulson bad on the same level as Red Skull. Or Doctor Doom. Right? Okay. Well, they kind of are right now. The question is, will he stay that way? They're not going to keep him that way. They're not going to 
take a beloved character from the movies that they're that they haven't just forgotten about, right? Because the death of Coulson is a is a driving point, is a is a force that plays on this Loki. I don't know. I, I think a big part of it is here's a character who is a very he's not super recognizable, but he is one that's recognizable enough that we can do a, a heel turn with him, you know, and it will mean something. Um it doesn't mean as much as when, say, Captain America said Hail Hydra. That's that was huge and that was controversial and that got people talking about comics and you know that got news coverage. Colson as a bad guy president, that's not going to get news coverage. Um, except for here, right here. We're going to cover it. And and when we see what happens with him, we'll cover it some more. And over on Comic Book Time Machine, I'm planning to do an episode where I do spoil the uh the thing and talk about specifically. There's a really interesting turn in the Doctor Spectrum uh issue because each issue is taking one of the Squadron Supreme and they are we're just they get a story. And then there's also a mini story at the end of each issue that features um, Blade, who's going around trying to reassemble the Avengers. And and then I think they're just going to come to a head at the at the end of the series. But um, there's a big controversial to me where you find out who he's actually following and working with. And it's very interesting. It's 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 a good it was a page turn kind of thing where you. You're looking at it, and then there's one thing at the bottom of the page. You're like, "Wait, what? Did I just see that?" And then you turn the page. You're like, "Holy cow! Like that's that's a that's a turn." You know, I when I write comics and talk about teach writing comics, I tell everyone you need some sort of cliffhanger at the end of each page. It could be a plot cliffhanger, or it could just be an emotional cliffhanger where you're like, "What is the character going to say to that that just happened?" This was one where it's like, "Huh, that's interesting." At the bottom there, did I just see that? You turn the page, and it's like, "Oh my goodness." This is huge. This is huge. This this changes everything. It was really interesting. So, well, that that is interesting. If I don't have any, I haven't read comics in so long. But <laughs> if I don't have any sort of like background knowledge, you might be confused. I might be. Confused. I was confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a little bit confused reading this thing. A couple moments. There weren't enough co- moments of confusion where I'm just like, yeah, I'm not interested. That does, that does happen to me with, cause I'm, I'm not keeping up on everything, but with this, I was able to mostly follow along and appreciate things. And then the Colson stuff was, that's really the only reason I bought this whole thing is they did some teaser images. And one of them was Colson running for president. It was like Colson is unique or something like that. And he's running for president. And well, that's cool. I mean, I, I will, uh, I will check it out. I think maybe the first <laughs> issue. Maybe, maybe. It might, be worth um, it. it might be, it might be actually, maybe I'll send you codes so you can read them on comiXology. Oh, I, I have codes, but I don't use them. So. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I will gladly yeah. take those codes. You should edit right. this part out of the show. <laughs> I think so. I think so. All right. That is this episode then. Stuart, thank you so much. Ben, it is a pleasure. Talk with you later about episode three. Yay.